0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Easter Sunday. We're going to go ahead and get singing. If you guys want to stand up with us.
1: Oh, shame is a prison It's cruel as a grave. Shame is a robber he's come to take my name. Oh, love is my redeemer lifting me up from the ground Love is the power where my freedom song is found There ain't no
0: that we don't stand and believe in religion and and go through, you know, all the steps of the stand up, sit down, sing a song, close your eyes, sit back down, like, just to do it. This happens because there was an event that took place in history. An event. Not an idea, not a cool thought, not a I hope so, a physical event. We're going to talk about more in service, but this was a moment that transformed the world. A man, not an idea, a man came to earth and he died and he rose and he showed so many people and letters started circulating that they couldn't disprove it or discredit it. People were going crazy. I don't know about you, but normal people don't start dying for stuff that they kind of hope is true or they kind of hope there's something to believe in. These people were being persecuted being put um, you know, in positions where they were murdered for their faith, torches lighting walkways with Christian human bodies as the torches. Why, why, why do this? Because of a man that really showed up in human history, really showed up on the scene, and this is the God that we serve today. If you came, you got dragged here this morning, we just want you to know, we're glad you came. You are welcome here. The only prerequisite is that we all recognize that there's not a good one among us. We are all a mess. And God takes us just as we are. The good news is, you don't have to be a good person today, you just have to be in need of something that God offers, which is hope. So let's pray. Father, this morning, this is a special day to remember what took place. We thank you, Father, that you have gone above and beyond so that we're not coming to church sacrificing animals today to be good with you. You took care of the ultimate sacrifice so we can come and worship you, stand in awe, and be overwhelmed by how good you are. I pray, Father, because there are real needs in this place today, real uh, struggles and things going on in our lives. It is sure not a perfect world. So Father, we pray that you would show up in circumstances, but I pray that, Father, we would approach you as the God who has overcome death rather than the God who we hope can fix our big problems. Be with us this morning. Be glorified by us. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen.
1: I raise up hallelujah In the prayer i i am i, am. I raise
2: Hey, Randall, can it be after the best worship ever? Sure. One more time for the band. One more time. Hey, y'all, grab a seat. If there's space, please squeeze in, make a new friend, move towards the center of your row. Uh, We have some people still looking for seats, so squeeze on in if you can. If you have open seats next to you, um, maybe you'll make a new friend today. We'll see. We'll see. Well, hey, my name is Randall. I'm gonna be doing the tithe message today. Um, Kind of before I get going, I just wanted to to recognize three things. So the first thing is, number one, if you're a visitor here with us, um, this place is for you. And this place is is designed for you, intended for you, and built out for you. So we're so glad that you're here with us today. We aren't necessarily asking that you're giving. It's not like a movie theater. When you go to the movies, you gotta buy your ticket. That's not how Journey Church operates. Please don't feel like we're putting pressure on you to give this morning. Uh, Second thing, if you are a regular member at Journey Church, I just want to say thank you. This stuff wouldn't be possible without your giving. I know my life personally would not have been changed without your giving. You guys, um, the giving that you you do, the sacrificial um, financial decisions that you make, create a space where people's lives are changed here in the Antelope Valley and so we just want to say thank you for that and then the third thing are ways that you can give so three different options you can go online at avjourney.com in person in just a moment the ushers are going to be passing some buckets through you can give cash or check and then you can also text mobile give to 661-441-3511 you can set it up to be recurrent one-time gifts whatever you would like to do uh, via the text message so today's kind of tithe message, I thought I would go really, really deep. We're going to talk today about three and a half hours um, for tithe, and then we'll, we'll see what happens after that. Um, but I thought I'd go to this really obscure passage of the Bible. Most people probably heard of it. It's, it's from this book called John. It's from 3.16. So John 3.16 it goes something like, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life life i think on easter sunday especially what a great opportunity for us to reflect and look at the ultimate definition of giving where god gave his son jesus to come and be of the world but to redeem the world right and we have a chance where our giving can reflect that where when we give to journey church journey is an opportunity for redemption here in the antelope valley we do all kinds of things, whether it's supporting foster teens um, who have grown up in a broken system. We support organizations that help those of domestic abuse and violence. This church can be a place of redemption in the way that Jesus is a redemption for each one of us. And so today, we're just going to reflect on that. It's not going to be three and a half hours. I'm sorry. But I want to pray over the ushers as they come forward for today. These tithes and offerings that we might be a center for redemption, whether it's for those of us who are here or for those of us that need us in the community around us. So please bow your heads with me. Dear Lord, we just come today with, with a place of gratitude. You sent your son for each of us, each of us individually, and each of us as a group. And you sent him that we could find salvation through him, and we're so thankful for that. We would ask today that those who are giving, that this church would be able to use those offerings in a way that's reflective of Jesus' heart, a way that, that has impact in our community beyond just the physical needs that people might have, but that we're reaching people emotionally and spiritually and drawing them closer to you. So bless everybody who's here this morning. Bless the tithe that we're gonna collect. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Well, hey, as my wife joins me on stage, I wanna say hello if you're watching online. We're so glad you decided to join us, even though you couldn't be here in person. Thanks for doing that. We're glad you're a part of our service today.
3: Yeah. Hey, good morning. My name's Ashley, you've already met Randall, and we're excited to share some announcements with you guys. Um, first off, if we have any fifth and sixth graders here, are officially dismissed to head to the lobby and join your groups uh, we enjoyed having you here for worship um, if you are here with someone younger than fifth or sixth grade that maybe is going to get a little fussy during the service know that we have a space in the back of the auditorium known as the cry room that is built for you it's got a super comfortable couch you're still going to be able to see and hear the message but it will afford you a little bit of privacy if you find yourself needing that this morning
2: yeah, and we also do want to say good morning and welcome to any first-time visitors that are here with us today. Thanks for joining us for Easter. If you would like, we do have a tasty treat for you. It's out at our hot spot, so that's kind of what we call our information desk. It's going to be out these main doors and just to your right. If you want to swing by after the service to pick that up, we'd love to be able to say Hello.
3: Alright, for this next little bit, we're going to be throwing a lot of dates at you, so get your calendars out. May is going to be a really exciting, jam-packed month here at Journey. So starting off, it'll be Saturday, May 4th, with our annual Ladies Tea. This is such a fun event, a great way to really create community with the other women here at Journey. And we're selling tickets for $10 at the hotspot. We do ask that you get that ticket in advance so that we know how to plan for an appropriate number of people.
2: Yeah, we really do believe in the value of relationships and the value of connection here at Journey Church. So we're also offering our next Connect event. It's going to be on Tuesday, May the 7th. It's going to be from 6 30 until 8 here in this building. We're also going to have a taco truck out front so you can bring the family, have dinner, and then get a chance to put some names with all the different faces that you're sitting with on Sunday mornings. We'd love to have you come and join us.
3: on Sunday May 12th first off that's Mother's Day so go ahead and put that on your calendar Um, but also that's gonna be our baby and child dedication day so this is a special ceremony for parents to publicly profess their faith in Jesus and then also to ask for his wisdom and blessing as they seek to raise their child to really follow him so if that's something that's of interest to you we would love to have you sign up at the hotspot that way we can communicate additional details prior to that event
2: and finally our barbarian circle man camp can we get a little bit more excited for man camp so the barbarian circle is a men's group that's in affiliation here at journey church may 17th to the 19th that's a friday through a sunday it's going to be a weekend full of outdoor activity and just a chance to grow closer with your brothers in christ so if that sounds like something you're interested in you can sign up does anyone know where you sign up for things at the hot spot, absolutely. So there is a fee $155, but just out the doors to the hot spot if you'd like to register for man camp coming up.
3: It's a smart and good looking crowd this morning. Um, so that's all we have for you. Please stand up, say hello to someone you haven't met before, tell them happy Easter.
4: everybody, and happy Easter. So good to see you guys. I'm Dave, one of the pastors here. And, uh, yeah, I just am so excited we get to spend some time together. Just so you know, like Randall said, man, this was set up and designed and paid for for you. Because people really, really, really believe what God is doing in their lives is worth sharing with other people. So that's why they wanted to have this experience be special. We had volunteers working all last few weeks. Outdoors, indoors, John's completely redone everything up here, and, that's, that's, I <laughs> and we have the best volunteers, and uh, Journey, just so you know, I'm so proud of you guys. You may not be aware that, like Randall said, we're really invested in the uh, foster system in uh, different areas of need in our community, and just this past uh, week, you guys donated baskets to tons of the kids in the foster system that wouldn't have an opportunity to have some of those special treats. And so way to go, Journey. Love you guys. Today is all about the comeback. This is the comeback celebration of life. Easter is the greatest comeback story ever. And I, I don't know about you, I love a good comeback story. As a matter of fact, if I find myself just kind of picking a movie out of the shelf you know we have these movies like uh they used to have these things called discs and dvds and you know you put them in a little machine that's after the vcr but that's another thing anyway i find myself gravitating typically towards this category of comeback because there's just something in it that resonates with me and i think it resonates with you as well because when we think about it what doesn't sound amazing about people like abraham lincoln who failed twice in business, went bankrupt. His fiancee died before their wedding and he had a nervous breakdown. Tried for Senate, lost. Tried twice for Congress, lost. Failed to be elected vice president, he had these setbacks after, one after another. And then he became the great, one of the greatest presidents the United States has ever known. And what about like uh, maybe pop culture? Maybe you guys have heard of this guy, Robert Downey Jr. Some ladies are having a spiritual experience right there. I'm like, Calm down. Well, this, okay, put the one on that he has a big jacket over everything. No, no I'm just kidding. This, this guy faced some really personal dark moments. He had some addictions. He had some alcohol abuse. He had some other things that were very, very publicly pronounced. He spent a little time in jail, and then he came back to be one of the highest paid most active actors in hollywood it's an amazing story what about sports you guys ever heard of this little girl bethany hamilton at 13 years old this little surf she even has a book out called soul surfer this little 13 year old girl was out surfing with a friend when a massive tiger shark swooped by and literally just ripped off her arm you can see the board there it's still missing that chunk this young lady went through rehab, fought through all the pain and the agony to relearn how to stand and balance herself with one arm, and is now still winning championships in surfing. Well, then there's the people from real life stuff. You guys remember the movie based on the guy's life called Rudy? Yeah. Yeah, who doesn't love Rudy? How about Seabiscuit? How about this next guy, Rocky Balboa? I know it's a true story somewhere, right? Well, there's Rocky, and then there's rocky two and then there's rocky three and then there's rocky four rocky five then there's christmas rocky come on everybody give it up for rocky and then there's creed one and then there's creed i mean come on folks you talk about a comeback i mean is there anybody he hasn't beaten now i mean it's there's nobody left in the world but we love this i I think that you and i connect somewhat with the comeback story because what we know intrinsically and and it may not be the comeback portion but because we kind of recognize that every comeback is only a comeback because there was first a setback the comeback means nothing if there wasn't a setback in the first place so you and i we may not have the comeback story yet but every one of us has faced a setback and some of them are so humiliating that we can't talk about them so i won't tell mine but i will tell you one Just speaking of embarrassing setbacks, there's just this one moment that I decided I could share. Statute of limitations is up. So I was just a kid, sixth, seventh grade, something like that. And we were at a, it was winter time. We were at a football game for my younger brother at night. And this particular football place where they played, just a park in a small country town that I grew up in. And right behind the football field was this golf course. It was the nicest golf course in the area. None of us had ever heard of, you know, golf course. We'd never been on a golf course. We never even, you know, we never even held a golf club before. But there's about six of us, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) rough day for allergies after the wind. There are about six of us, and one of them. I don't know who, it's. they just said, hey, let's go jump the fence and go check out that golf course sounds good so we all jumped the fence we're running out there having a blast and it was one of those nights where the dew started freezing you know so we could just slip and slide all over the place then one of the guys said hey guys come up here there's some really cool grass it's super slippery so we all kind of powwowed up on this green area that had a hole in the middle and we just started having the greatest time because this grass was so soft you could literally jump up in the ground do elbow plants knee drops. I mean, we were t- practicing our big time wrestling, you know, body slams. It was so soft. All you did was just sink right into this grass. And we were having the best time for probably 20 minutes or so when all of a sudden, red and blue lights lit up the golf course. And this was not a welcome committee. There was this pronouncement over the radio, freeze, everybody freeze. And of course, what do people do when they're freeze in their sixth and seventh grade? <laughs> we run. And sure enough, man, they caught every one of us, and they took us, and they put us in the cars, and they drove us to the office of this, you know, golf course, and here we were sitting on the outside against this clubhouse, and that guy who manages the clubhouse came out, and he was ticked. He was screaming at us. He said words I'd never even heard of before, and I was like, what is, And, and I was terrified. See, because I grew up in a good church family. I mean, I learned the value of honesty early. And so what they did next is is they took each one of us separate and they asked us to tell our version of what was happening and what went on. And being the kid that was from the church background and the Christian in the group, you know, it was my responsibility to lie my buns off. I did. I just, that's why I don't have any. I'm like, I just like, God, what what have I got myself into? And I lied. I mean, I said, yeah, I was playing with my paper airplane. It went over the fence. I climbed over. And like, you know, cops came from everywhere. And, and I don't know if they believed it, but they let me go. And I was like, that was the close call. And that was just one of the other experiences that I will not share today about my setbacks. It was an early setback. But here's the point. Part of the problem with you and I is in life we know better a lot of times we know better but we we do things that we know better and it hurts us for some reason there's like this there's this stupid thing built into us that's called rebellion that we see that cheese on that little pad and we like but i can sneak by and not get caught in the trap we think we're the monkey that's going to grab the banana and not but you know get our we'll be able to get our hand out of the coconut we think that we're the one who's going to do that thing and get away with it but the problem is each time we launch into our own way there's a setback attached to it it's personal it's emotional and it's spiritual because the setback I experienced it kinda set me on a correction course to really think about where I was headed because there were other things going on in my life that were not so Jesus oriented and I share that goofy story just to say that we've all had setbacks in our lives I've had some really big ones and I'll be honest. I bet you've had some that were a whole lot more than some of the ones I've had. Here's the deal. Maybe you've never been stuck in the back of a patrol car. But I bet somebody here is stuck in a marriage that's miserable. I bet somebody here is in a career that you can't stand. I bet somebody here is maybe... uh, You're wrestling with a dream that you've had for a long, long time and you desire so deeply for something to happen and there's just no way, no traction. You just can't seem to get your dream off the ground. Maybe somebody here has a family situation where you have a special needs child or a family member or relative that you're trying to give care to that is just destroying your dreams for your own life. Maybe a child has wandered away and you're set back with, a heartbreak. Maybe it's financial. Maybe you've racked up some really big debt and you just feel like you're suffocating. Maybe you've got more money than you've ever had, but your heart is more empty than it's ever been. Maybe it's like you've got anxiety. It was just annoying for a while, but now it's almost debilitating and you feel like you're not able to function normally. Maybe just me talking about all these things is giving you anxiety. Pastor, would you shut up? This is Easter for heaven's sake. Let's give us some good news. The fact is this, we have to get honest about our setbacks in order to have a comeback. We have to be honest about where we're at before we can move forward. Because a lot of us, we get really good at pretending, don't we? I mean, in the church world, we get really, really good, how you doing, Dave, oh, I'm good, man, God bless it's great, you know, hallelujah, whatever, you know, it's like, like, get in the car, you know, what are you guys always late? Why are they charging so much for gas? These idiots, and, you know, I mean, it's like, goes on. And we're talking next week about, you know, how to be good and mad. So for those of you with have anger problems, come back. But here's, here's the deal. Some of us have spent decades polishing an exterior to cover an interior that is cracked and broken and lonely and hurting. And it's only when we get honest with ourselves, honest with God, honest with others, do we really get to open up and let the air come in and let the healing begin and let God renew us. When we put an ending to pretending, our setbacks become the setup for our comeback. Let me say it again. When we put an ending to pretending, we have a setup, and that setback becomes a setup for our comeback. And I'm just telling you, some of you need today a comeback story and you think, ah, it's just you know, just talk, just hyperbole, it's just church words. Folks, I believe this with all of my heart, that God has literally drawn you here, and you thought it was your friend who promised you lunch, and you know what, good on you, get your lunch, but let me just tell you, before you go there, what God wants to tell you is your heart and your life is perfectly positioned for a comeback. That's what Easter is. That's what we see at the cross. That's what we see at Easter. Jesus didn't experience a resurrection without a crucifixion. You can't have the comeback without the setback. They go together. Good Friday, we call it Good Friday because for us, it was the best news ever. If you were a follower of Jesus, think about what they were going through that day. Think about how they had left everything to follow Jesus. They had left their families. They had left their careers. They had left their property. They had left their financial security because this rabbi who came along was saying things that nobody had ever said you're listening to his words and you're literally like wrapped attention like i have never heard anybody not just use the words but it's something in the words it's something beyond the words that he's speaking to that just does something inside of me and it still does when people read the scriptures and it's maybe those people who are like they're watching him and they see him touch The blind, and they can see. They see him touch the lame, and they can walk. They watch him walk among the most pitiful of broken human beings with leprosy. He walks among the prostitutes and the tax collectors and those people who were so far from God's plan for them. And Jesus walks in love among them. And these people's lives are so transformed, they left everything And they were the ones who started this movement of coming around him. And others followed And pretty soon. The crowds were massive. Jesus couldn't go anywhere. He always healed people and said, don't tell anybody. I want to continue to work in this community. And if you tell everybody, then I'll never be able. It'll be too crowded. And sure enough, Jesus' crowds just kept growing and growing and growing. And to the point where the week that we celebrate Easter, the beginning of that week, Palm Sunday, was when Jesus came into Jerusalem getting ready for over, and when he came into the city the people rallied around and they began to chant this is the, this is the Messiah make way for the king they began to wave palm branches as if he were royalty because this is their belief God had finally come through on a promise to redeem Israel to return them to a central place in the world's story God finally was going to remove the yoke of Rome and the oppressors god finally was going to allow jesus the king of heaven to be king on earth and they were going to be part of his kingdom so they were like come on let's take him let's make him king by force and let's let rome know that god has now returned to earth they were ready to start a war they were ready to take on rome and one week later their hopes died as jesus was crucified all their hopes hung on the man who was now hanging on the cross, and they were devastated. Have you ever been there with just that moment when your dream's shattered? It's Like the accident, the like phone call tells you about the news, about your prognosis, about that situation. I had friends who was just front row this morning who were telling me that last night a 19-year-old boy ran off the road and crashed into their front yard and died right in their front yard. I'm telling you, folks, there are moments in your life when you're just kind of like, is this real? Is this for real? Can it be? And what we find is a couple of his followers, after this crucifixion, after his body was removed from the cross and taken by Joseph of Arimathea, wrapped in very expensive linens, 75 pounds of aloes and those embalming kind of uh, foods and I guess whatever that was. Spices, that's what they call it. Spice food, sorry. They didn't have anywhere else to go. So if you're a follower of Jesus on that day, what do you do? Well, here's what they did. Pick up verse chapter 24 of Luke. This is Luke who's an historian giving us his account and it's verse 1. So on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, The women took the spices they had prepared. See, the women didn't know what Joseph had already done. So they took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. But while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright... right up to the the time of his crucifixion, right up to the night he was taken out of Gethsemane to be tortured and killed, he was saying, I'm going to die. This is the last time I will break bread with you before my passing. This is a very important thing. Remember this, because I'm not going to do this again until I come back from the dead. I mean, Jesus went over and over and over with this, but they didn't get it. But suddenly, then they remembered His words. Kind of like people that walk out of church hearing a sermon on hope and immediately they get back into depression. Or they hear something about how to love better and they go right back to their old patterns. It's kind of us, right? We forget so easily. But that's why Easter gets celebrated over and over and over because this hope is not going away. And God wants to put it back in your face and hopefully in your heart. He has a comeback story for you. Here's the thing. The essence of Easter is this. Jesus lived the greatest comeback story in history. He lived it. He didn't just tell it. He lived it. When the women showed up at the tomb that day, they expected to find Roman soldiers. Because what happened, because Jesus was such a public figure, because so much was being said about him being the soon-coming king that Rome wanted to make sure that these people didn't, like, come steal his body, so they literally sealed the tomb the governor sealed the tomb so in other words they put the seal of wax and they stamped it with the governor's seal so that they would know that nobody had been in there otherwise the seal would be broken and then they surrounded it with a company of soldiers highly trained assassins and these guys were the guards that were posted by the tomb when the women came they expected to try to have to talk their way past the guards Say please, our Jewish customs require that a body be prepared, and we want to wrap him, and we won't take him. We just they were hoping for that, but what they found was the guards had run away, and they found out why. Two angels were sitting there, gleaming white, were just like, he's not here, he's already gone. Remember, he told you three days, and then, well, were they ever surprised? He did it. I mean, a lot of people said, you know, Houdini said he's going to come back, right? But nobody's ever pulled it off. They were shocked. and In the words of Andy Stanley, they were shocked because nobody expected nobody. Nobody expected there to be nobody. They all expected to find him there because they were there when it happened. They were there when the soldiers took him and beat him and smashed that crown of two and three inch thorns into his head. They were there when they tortured him and they beat him with whips till his body was hamburger and just bleeding. They were there when they hammered the spikes into his hands and feet and took him on and dropped that giant cross in the hole. They were there as he was breathing, trying to breathe, trying to speak. They were there as he took the very last breaths and said it was finished. They were there when they, literally, the soldiers came and did verify that they were dead because that was their job and their life would be forfeit if they did not verify. So they went around, broke the legs of the two guys on either side so they had to suffocate. If they were alive, they couldn't push up anymore to breathe. They broke their legs. And for the guy who was in the middle, Jesus, they came around and discovered he was already dead. To verify, they jammed a a spear up under his ribcage through his heart and watched blood and water flow just to make sure. Just to make sure they were there. And that's why they knew that it was over. The, the sun and the moon, it's like it went dark. Earthquakes, crazy stuff happened. Their hopes and dreams had died. But this is, why, this is why Christianity is so incredible. Can I tell you that one of the reasons I bank on this, this whole movement of Jesus, it's not because the Bible says so. It's not because I was raised in church. It's because a historical event happened that split human time. It's because there were so many thousands of people that experienced his goodness. So many people that watched his death. And then so many hundreds of people that experienced him after death with holes in his hands and feet, walking around, eating fish, having communion with his, fellow, his followers. There were so many people that historians literally sit down and began to write of this thing. It was literally other faiths and most movements of religion start little by little and gain momentum over time. Some of them take, some of them don't. This one happened overnight. What we found is there were a handful of people that were convinced he was the guy. Then at the crucifixion, they all went away broken. Nobody believed it was gonna come back. Nobody believed it was still, gonna, it was still on. But in three days, he raised from the dead And because of that, folks, this is anchored in history. Again, we have now changed our clocks from AD to BC to mark the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Every time you write a check, every time you write down your birthday, that year, it denotes the fact that that man changed time. This is an historical thing. This isn't just another religious thing. That's why... I heard this week 2.3 billion people on the planet describe themselves as Christians. That's why one out of every three people on the face of the earth somehow attached themselves to this man, Jesus. Because this little group of followers of Jesus who would easily have been wiped out by Rome if they were trying to purport something that was not true, if they had continued to push the movement, why would you do that? As Tyler said, why would you do that? knowing that in Nero's Rome, knowing that that there would be a chance that you would literally have a stake driven up your backside, lit on fire to light the games for the Colosseum. Why would you do this? Why would you buy into something? Why would you proclaim something if you knew it wasn't true? Why would you be fed to the wild animals for crowds to cheer? Why would you be pulled in half by two teams of horses? Because... This is just something I want everybody to believe. Why would you take torture being burned at the stake? Why would you do this unless you were an eyewitness and it was real? Folks, I'm just saying, I don't know where you're hanging your future. I don't know what you're betting on for your life and your eternity, but my bet goes with the guy who predicted his own death, place, and time, and who would do it and then came back to say hello after. I'm going to go with him. I just figured... figure if he was right about that one, he's got to be right about a whole lot of stuff. So Jesus comes back from the dead, presents himself to the disciples and other eyewitnesses. And let me just ask you this. <laughs> if you knew the details of your death, the time, the place, and who was going to do it, would you show up or would you go to the Bahamas? I'm telling you what, I don't care how long it took me to pay it off. I'm out of town. It's like, I mean, at least I'd be calling in sick and say, I'm staying home and watching some Netflix. I'm not going to, I'm not showing up for that. But Jesus literally walked directly into the line of fire, walked directly into the crucifixion. He didn't, he didn't have his life taken from it. He surrendered it. Jesus laid down his life because the scripture says this. Jesus taught greater love has no man than he laid down his life for his friends. And that's what you need to know. Jesus considers you a friend. Jesus wants to build a friendship with you. It was your name he's whispered to the Father. It was your heart that he wants to take before God. It's you that he wants to cover before judgment day. It's you that he wants to remove your transgression. It's you that he wants to manage the guilt and the shame and all that bitterness and all that stuff that goes inside of a human being that's broken like we are. That's what he wants to do. He laid down his life for our sin. You see, because our greatest setback in life is not our circumstances. Our greatest setback is our sin. The scriptures say that this sin, we use that word at church. A lot of people don't use that word anymore. Um, you could call it other things. Rebellion, self-will, pushing back against God, but it's all the same thing. We basically said, God, I'm in charge. You take a hike. I'm going to do it my way. Adam and Eve did it. We've all done it. We still do it. We're, some of you are doing it right now. Just saying that we have this tendency, it's in us now from our forefathers, to say I'm doing it my way. And the Bible calls that sin any violation of God's plan, any vi- violations like the target. You know that the word sin is a is missing the mark. It's doing it something a different way. Well, Paul taught that we've all sinned. Every single human has come short, except for Jesus, of God's glory and God's plan, and that all of us need a plan how to get back. So the question is, how do you have a relationship with a holy God who stands in judgment over all sin, who promises he will pay back every sin and he will punish everything with his just wrath? How do you stand before that? Well, this is the whole point. God loves you so much that here you were, sinful and separated, ashamed and embarrassed to stand before God. And here's God over here, perfect and sinless. How do we ever get from here to there Because even sacrifices couldn't make you right with God. All they could do was punish the sin on somebody else. But what he said is he wanted to actually remove your sin. He wanted to make you new. So Jesus became the bridge between you and God, me and God. He literally said, I'll take my sinless life. I will lay it on the cross. I will let the wrath of God fall on me for every sinner who ever has repented and turned to me. I will take their punishment now so they don't have to face it at judgment. I will take it right here, right now, for all. And by the way, what about future sin? Well, all my sins were future when he went to the cross. And Jesus is taking them. He's taking them for you, for me. And these things of your past, you don't want them on Instagram. I don't know about you, but I'm so grateful there was no Instagram when I was a teenager. I'm so glad my parents couldn't tell where I was by a locator. I'm so glad. Honestly, like in my day, you... still had to pick up that thing and go Hey, babe, how's it going? Why haven't I heard from you? Because I didn't want to write anymore. I'd be mean, like, my hand's tired of writing you letters from college. I'm like, that's the only way to communicate back then. Present or telephone or letters. I mean, it's like Pony Express. But you guys today, I mean, cell phones, computers, you, you can be tracked. You can. Your whole life is on the screen. And this is the thing. But you would never want to walk in here and see your display of your life in front of all these people. Those private, secret, hidden things of your life. That's what the Bible says what is kept secret today will be revealed publicly that day. And your sins will be revealed except for everyone who has let their sins be washed by the blood of Jesus. Their lives have been cleansed by his sacrifice. You will now stand in his place as perfect. He took your place as a shame-filled sinner. And that is the great exchange That is the great comeback that is available to you. Jesus is saying, bring me your sins, bring me your guilt, bring me your shame. That's, folks, I mean, you you may not be here where we're at. You may not feel what we feel as far as the faith connection with God, but I'm telling you, you had better investigate this. If I'm wrong, I have lived the best possible life, and I am loving it. If I'm wrong, I'm saying, I still live the best life. If I'm right. Oh, man, we have the best opportunity ever to avoid the day of judgment by standing now and receiving his gift. Jesus said, it is finished from the cross. In other words, everything you've done, it's now paid for. All your guilt, all your shame, all that stuff that clings to you now clings to me. You're free. Lay it down. When he triumphed over death, he triumphed over sin, and he set us free. That's Good Friday. But just need to know this. He came back from the dead, and the stone was not rolled away so Jesus could get out. He wasn't trapped in there. The stone was rolled away so we could get in and verify the fact that it's empty. And folks, they still have the tomb, and people still go in it, and just public service announcement, he's not there. It's still empty. So we know that Jesus lived the perfect comeback story. The best ever, then the second is he shared the perfect comeback, the greatest comeback story ever. Little context. Jesus was trying to relate to people About this kingdom that God was establishing and the way that we get there and he wanted to establish for folks how we stand before God and what his nature is towards us and he was very very clear that you and I have a sin problem that we're separated from God so what he had he was speaking to a group of people some of them were religious elite who thought that they had already arrived and they were better than everybody else Looked down at everyone And then there were those who were irreligious, and they didn't even think they deserved to be in a religious institution or involved in a religious practice because they knew they weren't worthy. And Jesus is trying to communicate to all of them, so he tells this story. We call it the prodigal son. And so what he does, he said, this is what a personal relationship with God looks like and how it's made available. See, there was a guy, there was a guy who had two sons. His father loved his sons. His second son, the youngest, came to him one day and said, Dad, I want my inheritance and I want it now. I don't want to wait till you die. So it's basically saying, Dad, I wish, I wish you were dead because we really want is the money. So uh, can I just get mine now? I mean, obviously, you're not going anywhere right now. So can I have my money now? And most people in that time, in that place, in that culture would have disowned their son, and he would have been out on his behind. But Jesus tells the story. It's a parable. Again, it's to illustrate God's heart. He said the Father gave him what he wanted, just like he gave Adam any freedom, like he gave you freedom. He doesn't make you do right gives you the freedom the son chose he took the money he left town and it says he lived it wild and free wine women and song I mean he was high living high and then at finally some point the money ran out and like typically happens when the money ran out guess who else ran out the friends he finds himself all alone in a foreign country This young Jewish boy was so hungry that he didn't know what else to do. He said, I better get a job. The only job he could find was slopping pigs on a pig farm. Again, not a good customary thing for a Jewish boy. So he is obviously at the pit, the lowest of the low. And then it says that he literally is feeding the pigs and he was looking at the food, wishing he could eat it because he was so hungry. So after this, he begins to think, you know what? Even the servants in my dad's house live better than this. I wonder, I wonder if I just went and threw myself at his mercy and said, dad, please forgive me. Could I please just be a servant in your house? I wonder. So as it says, he made his way on his way back. And it's so funny. I love this. Have you ever worked out a speech in your head? Seriously. I mean, have you ever been a teenager? Then you worked out a speech in your head. Seriously, mom. I, you know, have you ever been in the back of a police car? Then you worked out a story in your head. You ever been married? Well, you know how to work out a story on the way home. Anyway, just saying. But he's working out the speech, and as he's walking home, finally comes within view of the the house. And he sees somebody see him. And the somebody who sees him gets up and starts running. And what he realizes is that's his dad. See, because the father had been sitting on the porch, and he'd been watching the horizon for who knows how long, for every day since the son had left. And this is what Jesus says his heart towards you is. The father was never neutral about the fact that his son was lost. And our father is never neutral about the fact that you and I are lost. He's never been neutral about that. He's aggressive in his pursuit. That's why he runs towards the son. He gives his son freedom to make his own choices. But when he decided life with God, life with the father was better, he returned. The father ran to him. And the son's probably thinking, what's he going to do? Is he going to kill me? Is he going to beat me? What's he going to do? But the father throws his arms around him, weeps over him, and he tells the servants, my son who was lost has been found. My son who was dead is now alive. Quick, get the ring. The ring was, in other words, put him back in the inheritance. Put him back in the will. Get him a robe, which means now he sits at the family table. He's part of the family again. Get shoes for his feet. And he says, kill the fatted calf because this is a day for celebrating. My son who was lost is alive. My son was dead, who is alive, and this is time for a party. Steaks for everybody. Get that cow. <laughs> and Jesus told the story so that we would know the heart of God towards us when we're, we're lost and when we're separated from him. And let me just tell you, just like this, son, you're never more than a prayer away from a comeback with God. You don't have to run miles and miles and miles, get on your knee, crawl beg. You don't have to put money in the offering. Did I say that? You don't have to give God anything. You aren't on the giving terms anyway. You need to receive. And as the bandy comes back to prepare us for the close, the scriptures teach that his mercies are new every single morning and his compassions never fail. That means God's heart hasn't changed towards you. But it does also say in the new testament that paul said today is the day of salvation it's a a quote from the old testament today is the day of salvation today is the day of returning because we're never promised tomorrow so if this is your moment and you're considering what do i do with my future with my forever with my shame could god really want me back because not only did god Live the greatest comeback story through Jesus. Not only did he share the great comeback story through the Son and the Father, but he offers the greatest comeback story, and that's where he said, whosoever will, to all who believe, to all who received him, he gave them the right to be called children of God. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be Saved. Saved from judgment. Saved into the family of God. Saved for a special purpose. And as I reflect on those seasons of setbacks in my life, it took a whole bunch to finally get me to the place to say, God, I want your life in me. I can't fix it. And God, please, don't let anybody know it. But I've done some shameful things. I'd be... I'd be out of a job if they knew all the stuff I'd done. God, what I need for you to do is to cleanse my sins that I can't cleanse, forgive my guilt because I can't remove it, and then wash me and make me new and teach me how to follow you. I'm not going to get it right unless you lead me, so God, lead me. And when I made a full surrender of my life, it didn't change my circumstances, but it changed my direction. It changed my standing. The Bible says instantly, my name was written in the Lamb's book of life. My life was cleansed by Jesus' blood, and my heart was made new. I was set in a new path, given a new purpose and a new opportunity to live life for God, with God, through God. And guys, I just want to tell you, some of you today could be at the beginning of your comeback story. Don't let the setback. Don't let the current circumstances dictate your future. Make a decision. Open your heart. This is your opportunity, and are are you willing, are you ready to open your heart to a comeback? Then I want you to join me in a word of prayer as we close. Our great Heavenly Father, the problem sometimes with us is that the the story's too good. And we're suspicious of things that are too good to be true. We just kind of push back. But God, I know in my heart there was something that just kept saying, there is something to this. Investigate, investigate, investigate. And for me, God, you know that it took me pushing back from my family's faith and my family's religion and pursuing information on my own to discover what was real. And with all the pursuit of all the different stories and religions and things that I investigated, I find myself back at you. There is no faith system in the world where where the God came to the people to offer sacrifice. It's always the other way around. All religions are about the people coming to the gods to offer sacrifice. But you turned it on its head and you offered your life as a sacrifice for me. God, as my friends and guests are here today, I just pray that you'd be doing the work that I couldn't do. Just talking to their hearts and opening their eyes that somebody today could receive the gift of life. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in just in a moment, as you just process this information, there may be some of you in this room today, that are like, hey man, I've processed enough. I'm, I'm in. I want to make the declaration today. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want my past secured in heaven. And, and I want to live a life worth living today. And if that's you, I just want to pray with you. and. With everybody's heads bowed, but just between you and I, you just want to raise your hand boldly and say, "Hey, that's me. I'm coming. I'm coming home. I want to just make this my prayer today." Awesome, awesome, great. Oh man, we see it in God's season. What we're now doing is giving you the opportunity, in your quiet space, right there in your chair, just between you and God, you could whisper, you can pray it inside. Just pray a prayer like this: "God, I surrender my life to you. All my sin, all my shame." all the ways that I have violated your commands and tried to figure it out on my own, I confess them and I turn from them and today I give you my life. Today I open my heart to make it your home and today I ask that you would fill me with your power, with your presence, your spirit so that I can find the way to live the life you intend. I trust you, I believe and in my voice I confess you as Messiah, my God. Today is my comeback. I'm home. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Folks, let's welcome to the family all our new friends. That's the best thing ever. We would love... It would be an honor for us to help you make your next steps. If you're not at home here or it's just not the fit for you, man, there's some amazing churches in the valley. I know Central and Vineyard and, you know, Highlands, there's so many great churches. Find one. Connect. Get involved. Find out what it means to follow Jesus. Get in a group where people can help encourage you. We have Bibles available at the hotspot. We have a gift for you as well. So if you want to stop by there and, and just keep in mind some of the activities we have, we'd love to get to know you. Join us next week. We kick up a new series, but let's stand today as we close and celebrate one last time.
1: The cross has the fine word The cross has the fine The final word. The cross has the final.
0: believe it. These words are easy. Let's sing them.